Once more. Oh, it's a great chance. It's in. Sergio Roberto has won it at the last for Barcelona. It is Champions League history. Walcott keeps the ball somehow. And Walcott has a go and scores. He burst the hands of Neuer. That's what Arsenal needed. That's what the tie as a spectacle needed. And Arsenal still have that little bit of hope burning. Next job for Arsenal, stay professional, stop it becoming 10-2 on aggregate. They might not be able to. It's Douglas Costa, it's Vidal. It's the same score as it was in the first leg. It's 5-1 to Bayern Munich. Julian Weigel, Dortmund build again. Pieschek, it's Pulisic. Wonderfully finished by Christian Pulisic. 2-0 Dortmund, and Dortmund, as things stand, are heading for the quarter-final. In from Kroos again, and headed in by Ramos again! And Real Madrid are now surely heading through to the quarter-finals for the seventh year running. Hello and welcome back to the Working Channels podcast. I'm Daniel Ryasin, or at Working Channels on Twitter, and I, once again I'm joined by James Slitter. Hi. So today we're going to be doing a review of the last week in football, starting with the Champions League and what a night last night was for European football in general. Crazy night. I mean, where do we start? <laughs> I'm not sure myself. I thought the tie was completely gone. We're, of course, talking about Barcelona versus PSG, the biggest comeback in, or the greatest comeback and biggest comeback in Champions League history. Dear, <laughs> I, I, I'm still speechless about it. I mean, I'm still thinking about it um, right now, but I mean... What an exceptional night. I mean, when Cavani made it 3-1, I thought, oh, this is done and dusted now. It doesn't look like they're coming back. I mean, I just I, I sat back and thought, you know, they'll hold on to the end now, 3-1, and that will that will be it. But I just I cannot believe they came back and won 6-1. It's just, I mean, three goals in the last seven, eight minutes, was it? Uh, yeah, it was, actually. It was. I mean, Neymar's, that is... The fourth goal came in the 88th minute from a Neymar free kick. They scored twice or more between then and the end of the yeah. time. Crazy. Uh, so uh, when Suarez scored early, I thought Barca had a bit of hope, but the game kind of stalled. And just before half time, Kruzawa then put the ball in the net to make it yeah. in his own net. So then I felt at half time, Barcelona performing so well, I felt there was a chance. But like you said, Cavani's goal, which came basically out of nothing, he just hit the post a few minutes before, but yeah. the chance was quite a difficult one. And the finish on that was, um, was like very uh, spectacular. And I felt that would have killed off Barca completely. It, was, really, it was a brilliant finish. I know. I know the game's a bit overshadowed by the whole comeback, but Cavani's finish was excellent. It was brilliantly taken. Yeah, it was very definitely overshadowed, I'd say. And uh, the game kind of seemed to stall after Cavani scored that goal too. Like the game kind of seemed dead for a very long time. Then Neymar's free kick out of absolutely nowhere. That yeah, immaculate finish. So it was yeah. one of the best free kicks I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, there was a period in the second half where it became a bit dull. I thought that in the first half as well, from about the 30th minute to the 42nd, maybe. There was uh, that in the first half as well. It was a bit dull, and then they get a second goal out of nowhere. Um, and then Barca take the make a three 0 lead just a couple of minutes after the second half starts. And I thought, you know, there's a real chance here. But now Cavani's goal was excellent, and I thought it was I thought it was dead and buried then at that point. But I mean, crazy, crazy game. It was very insane. So it was especially. Uh, after the 4-0 win in the first leg. It was just such a, a massive uh, obstacle to overcome. I seen a tweet, though, just after that game of Barry Glendennon of the Guardian saying uh, PSG have set themselves up for the biggest bottle job in French football history. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it seems to be a self-opponent prophecy at that stage. It's quite, it was very interesting. So who was your man of the match for the game? Who do you think was uh, the biggest driving factor in Barcelona's comeback? Oh, man of the match. I mean, I, I saw, I heard some people say Umtiti at the back. I uh, I disagreed a little bit though. I thought Neymar was excellent, getting yeah. two goals and causing a lot of problems for uh, Munier. Um and c- cutting in on the right. And I just thought he caused a lot of problems, especially um, near the second half as well, bringing Barca back after that amazing free kick. Um, and scoring the penalty as well, a lot of pressure, very important moment. Very important moment for Barca to actually believe that they could actually turn this around properly. So... I'd say I'd say my man of the match uh, was Neymar. Yeah, Neymar would be mine as well. I feel like uh, 
even though he might not have been producing the most quality, he was the one pl- for for uh, until up until his goal in the 88th minute. I feel like he was the only Barcelona player in that lull in the game, like we said, who was actually trying to force the issue. And it was the same in the first leg again. He kind of seemingly was the only one who seemed up for both games from the start, and I feel like that made a massive impact on his impact in the game, really. So, uh, Roberto's winner, did you see it coming, Be Real, here with us? Um, well... Looking back in the game last night, I know everyone's talking about a massive comeback and how great it was, but I think everyone, I think just the comeback in the game, everyone just seems to forget the terrible defending from PSG. I mean, their defensive line and their offside traps were terrible. You think a leader in there, Thiago Silva, would be able to set the team up properly and give them a bit of composure, but, you know... Uh, he just he ghosted in at the back of the defence and just put it in the net in the last minute and the PSG players were just standing around and just watched the whole thing I thought it was terrible defending and Thiago Silva was a player I really like I think it was a bit heartbreaking for him and it was very hard to see him after the game finished but just the defending was terrible and uh, he just burst in there and, and made it 6-1 so yeah speaking of Neymar's quality on the ball and how good he was in the match that ball in on his weaker foot yeah that was I mean, when when he when he was about to put the ball in and then he cut inside, I thought, oh, what is he doing? He needs to get the ball in there, hurry up! But he cut inside on his left foot and he chipped it in there, and uh, it was a great, it was a great ball. It was a wonderful run too. He managed to stay level. He he managed to stay level and not be offside, and uh, he just put it in the net there. And you just see the replays of PK and Messi just watching him put it in in their faces of delight. It was it was it's a it's a night you'll never forget. Yeah, 100%. Where does this rank in your all-time European nights and fixtures? I mean, there's many There's many you can refer to, like Man United and Bayern Munich, or Liverpool and AC Milan, or even last season, Liverpool and Dortmund was a pretty good yeah, comeback. Yeah, um, but, I don't know, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, I'm, gonna, as, as, I'm probably a bit biased, but I think Istanbul is still number one of all time for me, except last night. Last night's a pretty good... A pretty good answer to that, um, but no, the comeback last night was extraordinary, and I don't think we'll ever see a night like that or a comeback like that in football ever again, possibly. Yeah, I agree. It was a written immense match for myself too. I'd probably go with uh, the Istanbul tie in the Champions League final for Chelsea, not for Chelsea for Liverpool. Sorry, and AC Milan. I thought there was such a gulf in quality between the two teams, especially when you consider players like Jimmy Traore going up against Hernan Crespo and yeah. I mean, the first half, AC Milan just absolutely dominated Liverpool, and you just thought yeah, you would. in the first minute, then they was at Maldini. Yeah, Maldini. Yeah. Maldini. So we'll move on now to we'll stay on the Barcelona game. Just for the last talking point about it, Luis Enrique. He announced his departure. Do you think he should stay after a performance like that? I mean, th- I mean, the treble's still on. They're, they're in the um, they're in the Spanish Cup final against Alaves. Yeah. They're into the quarters of the Champions League. Um, there's it's tight at they the top. Went top of the table, but, but uh, Madrid have a game in yeah, hand. Yeah, a game in hand. Weekend. It's tight at the top. The the second El Clasico's in April. I mean, it could could go either way for him. The the season was looking pretty dismal for them before they reached the Spanish Cup final and after the 4-0 loss against PSG people were starting to question you know his methods yeah his... some people I saw some people even saying you know he should go now and Barcelona should try and change something but I mean out of nowhere in two, three or four weeks you know a treble like last season is still on so um, I I don't think he's going to win the treble I think he he might he might do the double I, I I can't see Barcelona turn around in the league and maybe winning the Spanish Cup as well but no I think um I think I think he's still going to go I don't think he's going to stay but um yeah it would be great for them It'd be great for him before he leaves the club club legend and everything to win trophies uh, yeah, I agree with that. I feel like uh, in regards to how well he's done, I feel he's won, well, not I feel, he's uh, won a treble in his first season and a double in his second season. His third season now, the treble is still on. Do you feel his spell at Barcelona has been underappreciated by some? Um, I think a lot of people have underestimated him as a coach. I mean, Barcelona have this um, kind of mentality. Well, they've they've done it in the past of bringing in past players that used to play for them, um, legends, legends at the club like Guardiola and now Enrique. Um, I don't think they're going to continue that. I think they're going to go for something different. But I do feel, um, trophy-wise, he's definitely underappreciated. I don't think he's the best manager tactically. I think he's he employs a bit more, especially at the start of the season and in his first season, he employed a bit more of a defensiveness when Barcelona had a good lead. But um, trophy-wise, yeah, I do think he's been underappreciated. 
Yeah, people seem to really turn their nose up at his uh, more of a change to more direct football. But I feel like that's in itself is a bit ridiculous because considering that he was playing the Barcelona style of football in his first season up until maybe December, and people were saying Barcelona are in crisis, Messi wanted to leave apparently, stuff like that. And then he made the change to a more direct system with Messi on the right-hand side again. And I feel that really has brought Barcelona back to the, the elite level that they were at. They ended up winning the treble that season. And I feel Barcelona are a club that do crisis very well. Like that, yeah. that, that, that summer was probably the last time they were seen as being in crisis. They ended up winning the treble. So you never know what's going to happen. The last thing we'll mention about this is who do you think is going to take over from Enrique? Who's your... I mean, they've got a few They've got a few people lined up. They've got Sam Pauli from Sevilla. They've got Valverde from Bilbao. Um, I've seen some people say Wenger might go, but I don't think I don't think that's possible. Um, I'm not sure who they'll take o- who will take over. I mean, Pochettino is another possibility as well. Um, he's, been yeah. he's been mentioned as well. Um, so it's all open. I don't think anyone could really predict um, a real clear a real clear next manager for them. I think there's two or three possible tough targets that they could pick. Yeah, I feel with Pochettino, I feel like he might not be quite ready to step up to the Barcelona job. I feel his failings in Europe have kind of exemplified that. But I feel uh, Sampaoli would be a good fit for Barca. He gets on very well with Messi, I know that. And uh, I feel Messi having less than 18 months left on his contract now, I feel he will probably be a key factor in who the next manager is. Yeah. And uh, so Valverde's turned the Barca job down two times before as well. But... I know that he uh, he is quite linked with the job quite heavily. So we'll leave the Barcelona game at that. A crazy game, man, for on a crazy night. But we'll move on to uh, the Arsenal tie. Losing 10-2 to Bayern Munich on two legs. <laughs> Another game. Where do we start with this? I mean, 10-2 in aggregate. I mean, starting off 1-0. I mean, I, d- I don't know. To be <sighs> honest. Dude, um, we uh, lost 5-1 in both games. Both uh, defeats coming after Laurent Koscielny left the pitch on both occasions. Uh, this is the biggest European defeat on aggregate an English club has ever gotten. And I feel time might be calling for Wenger. Time really might well, be calling for Wenger. Well, possibly, yeah. I think, I, think, um, I think the protests of people saying Wenger out. There was a protest before the match, ironically yeah. enough, outside the Emirates. I think it was only... I think I don't think it was. I don't it was think, only 150 or something. Yeah, like it was about. Yeah, it was just below 200. But I think the, um, those groups are going to start to get larger and larger after this dismal display. I mean, I mean, five one away is pretty horrific. I wasn't expecting them to win in that. I was expecting them to maybe lose two or three one. But um, to go to the second leg at home and lose five one again, ten two in aggregate. I mean, it's unacceptable. I mean, you see the. The team collapse after Koscielny gets sent off. I mean, if if Koscielny stayed on and the scores remained the same, Arsenal would have won two one in aggregate. Uh, funnily enough, yeah. but um, no, I think the I think I've, I I don't think I don't think in it's been a funny week for football. I've we've seen classics and comebacks, but I don't think I've ever seen a team collapse like Arsenal did um, in watching football my whole life. I don't think I've ever seen a collapse like it. Yeah, it was really evident the players weren't really pulling their weight especially after they went down to 10 men and the, the scores were leveled so I feel that was a big big issue for Arsenal and I feel well we mentioned Enrique uh, mentioned, uh, announced that he was stepping down from the Barcelona job and look at the impact that's had on the Barcelona team do you think Arsenal could benefit from something along the same lines with all this all these questions about Wenger's future I mean I'm not sure I mean I've I've heard some different opinions on what kind of person Wenger is that He's a very calm, collected and cool guy and cares about the club. And some people have said his ego's taken over his reign and he'll leave on his terms and no one else's. I mean, I'm not sure. Um, I would like I would like a nice send-off for him because I think as a manager for Arsenal, he's he's a legend. He's a, he's a legend uh, for their club. Um, as far as him uh, announcing he's stepping down at the end of the season or not signing a new contract in the summer... I mean, it's all out there in the open. It it could go either way, but um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which way would benefit them, to be honest. Yeah, I feel the contract situation at Arsenal is something that's really hang, hung over the, the the team's head since they were top of the league, and maybe I'm not even sure last time they were top of the league. I think it was when they beat Stoke three one, and uh, the Wenger could be going at the end of the season. 
both our two best players in Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil only have less than 18 months left on their contract. So I feel that's really hung over the heads of the team and I feel it's just really held them back. So I feel... I definitely think Sanchez is going in the summer yeah. to Juventus possibly. There's been talk of him going to Juventus, but um, I I think I think Sanchez is gone in the summer. Yeah, 100% I see Sanchez going. And Lutvenger at 50-50. For Oza, I, th- I feel he will stay at least another year. I feel we won't get rid of both of them. I feel the club will learn from that mistake when they sold both Samar Nasri and Cesc Fabregas in the same summer, which led to the 8-2 defeat at Manchester United. Well, one positive for Arsenal was just how up for the game Walcott looked, especially in the first half, and another good display for Austin Chamberlain. You mentioned uh, a big win overshadowing a good goal in the PSG Barca game with Cavani's strike, but what do you think of Walcott's strike? I thought it was a brilliant finish. I mean, Walcott caused problems from the very offset. I fancied, I, I'd, I, I actually fancied Alaba um, being able to deal with Walcott because they're they're both quite pacey players. I think Walcott's probably a bit faster than Alaba, but. Alaba um, up against Walcott, I fancied him, but no, Walcott caused a lot of problems for Bayern Munich in that back line. He was making runs in behind, nice touches, and um, he was causing problems a lot in that first half, and they couldn't cope, and he uh, finished it really well. I mean, I I saw a replay, and I thought Neuer should have saved it, but I think the power in the shot, just it was too much for him to handle, and he uh, he ended up... uh, punching it into the net well it clipped off his hands but yeah it was it was a powerful strike so it was it was a very very good strike I'd say so we'll I guess we'll leave Arsenal here for now shall we or should we talk about the Liverpool game now just to link, to link them in I yeah think we we'll will do the Liverpool game now it's been a bad week for Arsenal uh, a 3-1 loss at Anfield knocked him out of the top four for I think maybe the first time this season <sighs> we were previewing it in the game uh, you, you were pretty confident Liverpool wouldn't win but uh I, w- I had my reservations about that, and they <laughs> they came true, really. They, Liverpool just overwhelmed Arsenal from the start. I mean, I, I ignored Liverpool's record against the top six, um, which they're far ahead of any other team in the top six in terms of top six games. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I mean, Arsenal hadn't played the week before, and you thought they'd be a bit cagey, and Liverpool are under pressure. They might not be able to win, but no, it was, it was an excellent it was an excellent display. Especially in the first twenty minutes, um, I think you could see Klopp's tactics. He likes to he likes to press very highly, and uh, when they get the ball, he likes he likes the front three to break really fast and get support from the midfield. Um, and I don't think Arsenal could really handle that. Um, we talked about Coughlin before the match that he might struggle in midfield a bit. He did he did okay in the first half. He gave some balls away here now and then. It wasn't one of his worst games. Um, possibly could have been sent off for the high boot on Coutinho. Not a red card for the high boot, but he uh, he brought down um, I believe it was Henderson at the end of the first half and the high boot on Coutinho, which left a cut under his eye. You could see the referee even yeah. pointed to Coutinho, and Coughlin could have been off, but. Um, no, we dropped off in the second half a little bit, sat back. Arsenal got one back and you started to worry, but once uh, Wijnaldum put the goal in, you uh, you were you were happy with uh, 3-1 win. So. Yeah, very much so from a Liverpool point of view. One thing I could be like, left off of my notes is the whole Sanchez debacle with him being left out from the team. It seems yes. like quite a long time ago now after yeah. the Bayern Munich game, but dear me, what, what a difficult time for Wenger and Arsenal. I mean, I saw... I saw him on the bench and I thought, has he got a knock? Is it? Is he got like a tight hamstring or something? I thought it was very strange. Um, I was happy to see see Welbeck start because I think he deserves more game time. He's he's shown he's shown some quality after coming back from injury. Um, but I thought I thought um, Sanchez on the bench was very strange, and there was rumours of a row in the training ground, which um, Wenger came out and said never happened. But some people were saying, is he being rested for the Bayern Munich game? But yeah, it was a very strange decision. Uh, yeah, I think Robert Pierce has come out and confirmed that it did happen inadvertently. I think probably well. against wishes, really. But uh, one thing I have to ask you is, where do you stand on the issue? Are you Team Sanchez or are you Team Wenger? I mean, I mean, I think I think Wenger. I think what Wenger's done for Arsenal um, is exceptional. But I think they've got to go in a new direction. They've got to take a new step. Um, I think if they get maybe a top class manager in who can maybe possibly persuade Sanchez to stay because he has plans to build something special at Arsenal, possibly win the league in his first or second season. So I think the manager situation definitely impacts Sanchez and Ozil too, but more Sanchez on whether he stays or not and whether the new manager could convince him to stay. Yeah, I'd be way more sympathetic towards Wenger if he 
followed through with it. It seemed like a, a half-hearted punishment by putting Alexis on the bench. Then when you're 2-0 down, turning and saying, oh, Alexis, please, we need you to save us. I felt like that was a bit of a... It showed a bit of weakness uh, by Wenger, and I feel like that's probably not what the situation needed. We'll stop talking about Arsenal now anyway, because we're, <laughs> I've got two more Champions League games to review. We'll go on next to Bayern 4, Benfica 0, 4 one on aggregate. Bayern are some team to watch, aren't they? Yeah, um, honestly, um, I think Aubameyang getting another hat-trick was pretty crazy. I mean, he's scoring, he's, he's, he's scoring mad Top goals. Scoring the Bundesliga this season as well. Crazy. I mean... I don't think I don't think he's going to get a move. I think he might. He's, he's talked in the past of how his granddad told him play for Madrid because he said it was a dream for him to play for Madrid, and he said hopefully he could do that in the future. But um, yeah, no, Dortmund last night were excellent. Um, top class football all around. Um, loads of passing and movement, um, and you felt for Benfica, but because I like them as a club, although I don't think they have good enough players to maybe get to the next round. I mean, Mitroglou, I don't think he's he's a top-class striker for a Champions League team. He, I do, he, wasn't, he didn't impress me at Fulham. Um, so I felt for Benfica a bit, but uh, not Dortmund going through. Um, I'm happy for them to go through. Yeah, one thing I've, I'll say about Mitroglou, I feel like he's very underrated and underlooked after his spell in Fulham. I feel his goal-scoring record at Benfica and Olympiacos have both been fantastic. But anyway, yeah, what about Dortmund's young team? How good can this team be in the future? They have players like Julian Weigel, Usman Dembele, Emre Moore, just to name a few. Pulisic Christian as well. Pulisic, you got on the score sheet with a fantastic lob. <sighs> if Thomas Tuchel stays, what can't this team achieve, really? Um, it depends. I mean, a lot of there's a lot of clubs talking about buying these players, especially Dembele and Pulisic. Pulisic has been linked with uh, Liverpool. Dembele has been linked with Man City and Real Madrid. I mean... I mean, if he can keep the players, there's no there's no limit to what Dortmund can achieve. Um, possibly next season, I think Tuchel needs a bit more time just to bring a bit more cohesiveness in the dressing room and a bit more a bit more cohesiveness in the play and a bit more um, um, winning more games and drawing less. But no, there's there's no limit to what uh, Dortmund can achieve in the future with these young, fantastic footballers. I feel your point about cohesion is a really good point. People seem to overlook they lost kind of the heartbeat and soul of the team with uh, uh, Ilkay Gundogan and Mats Hummels both leaving in the summer. Yeah. And I felt to rebuild, they replaced him with Bartra and Weigl stepped up into the first team too. I felt Weigl is another player who's very linked away, but they play some fantastic football and when they're on form, I don't see any team that can really stop them. They proved against Real Madrid in the group stages where they were very difficult to handle. Yeah. And speaking of Real Madrid, they also went through also replicating their score from the first leg when they beat Napoli 3-1 in Naples. Sergio Ramos, two goals from corners, from Cruz corners, seemingly right after each other, like a one-two punch. I mean, I mean, he has a past history of scoring from corners, bullet headers, and challenging people in the box, Sergio Ramos. But um, no, I mean, typical of Real Madrid to go 1-0 down and then come back and, I mean, win 6-2 in aggregate. I had Napoli down as possible um, favourites because I felt they were severe underdogs. They're a very good team, especially with their front three. And Koulibaly at the back as well is quite solid for them, but um, no, I thought it was I thought it was a bit harsh on Napoli, especially taking the lead in both legs. I thought it was a bit harsh um, on them to lose six two, but um, no, Real Madrid go through again as as usual. Yeah, seven years in a row for Real Madrid after failing for the six years to get past the last sixteen before that to get through. One of those times was against Arsenal with Thierry. Yeah. I mean, it could be so. it could be Arsenal's time <laughs> for the new manager. You never it know. It seems to be since Real Madrid have started going through the last sixteen, Arsenal can't anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> oh dear me. So anyway, we'll we'll take a break now. We'll play some music and we'll be back after for the Premier League review. Hello and welcome back to the Working Channels podcast. We're going to do a little bit of Premier League action now, review that. And we'll start off with probably one of the most controversial games of the weekend. Manchester United won, Bournemouth won. What are your overall thoughts on the game? I mean, previewing the game, I thought easy United win, bad Bournemouth defence, maybe possibly an, an Ibrahimovic hat-trick. But, I mean, the the, incident, the incidents in the game overshadowed it, really. Only two goals and a missed penalty, but... I think um, the incidents with Ibrahimovic and Mings completely overshadowed the game. Yeah, completely. Speaking of the missed penalty, I feel like the confrontation with Mings kind of put Ibrahimovic off his game, which is not something I'd really associate with a player so so wise, you'd say, so experienced and so so cultured. So I would have assumed he would have took the penalty away. I feel the pressure maybe got to him a little bit. 
But where do you stand on the whole Mings issue, the stomp? Was it intentional or was it not? Um, I mean, when I was looking at the replays um, for the first time, I thought that's a clear stamp. I mean, I mean, he's that's extremely dangerous player. That's disgraceful. Um, but when you look at it again, he's not looking at Ibrahimovic's head. He's looking to the side. Um, but I think, I think it's too hard to tell whether it was on purpose or not. Um, so I think banning him was probably the right decision. But yeah, Ibrahimovic elbowing him was pretty pretty disgraceful too. Yeah. I couldn't blame him as well. If I thought I was stamped on the head, like I I probably reply back as well. But yeah, just both incidents were just shocking. Yeah, Phil, you mentioned Mings got banned. Ibrahimovic receiving a three game ban and Mings a five game suspension, if I'm not mistaken. So anyway, Rojo getting on the score sheet and Joshua King, an ex United player, getting on the score sheet against his former team as well. King's really had a good season, hasn't he? You mentioned it to me earlier off the air. I mean, yeah, he was he wasn't um well known at the start of the season, but the last six weeks he's really started to score. He's an excellent planet penalty taker too. He's got great composure. I, I, I didn't I didn't uh, realise he had such good composure under pressure taking penalties, but yeah, he's he's been really he's been really good the last six weeks and impressive and uh, a plus for Bournemouth. Yeah, eight league goals for him already this season. That's two more than he got in the entirety of last season. How do you feel he's acclimatising to the Premier League after his uh, possibly disappointing spell at Man United, where hot things were tipped for him and he never really fulfilled that potential? Do you think he can do it now? Um, possibly. I mean, he's at he's at he's at an age now, twenty five, where he could, if he finishes this season well and then has another good season. I mean, who knows? Maybe. Maybe a move to one of the top six teams like Everton or Spurs or something like that. I think he, I think he'd be a good asset for Spurs as a backup for Kane because I don't think Janssen's done well enough. Um, but yeah, I think Joshua Joshua King's done excellent for Bournemouth and uh, real plus for them in the last six weeks, especially with all the goals they're conceding. Yeah, hundred percent. And next, we'll move on to the game that we probably previewed previewed as the uh, most exciting game of the weekend, the most competitive, and it was. Pretty competitive in the scoreline in the end. 3-2 to Spurs, but Spurs really almost... Spurs... scarily impressive yeah, yeah. how well they play on the Spurs. Point, Spurs absolutely dominated the first half. I mean, Everton didn't have a shot on target or off target in the first 45 minutes. Um, Spurs just bossed the game. I had I had it down as a classic in the preview, but it turned... It, it, in the first half especially, it looked like it was going to be an easy win for Spurs, and Everton might have been the victims of a drubbing scoreline, but... No, it uh, changed in the second half. Um, some crazy goals at the end, goals out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, it finished three two. Some people might look at the scoreline and think, you know, a what, classic, what a, a great classic, game, like but, we previewed. But yeah. um, the first half, Everton were absolutely anonymous. Uh, yeah, we kind of previewed it as uh, we built as uh, Hurricane versus Romelu Lukaku. <laughs> the final scoreline was kind of decided by them, with uh, Lukaku getting one for Everton, Kane getting two for Spurs. So just. Out of curiosity, who would you take out of the two of them? I mean, I really like Lukaku. I really like his energy and his goal scoring ability, um, and his vision as well. But I think I think I'd go with Kane. To be honest, I think I think a lot of people doubted him after he had um, his after that first good season at Spurs. I thought a lot of people had him down. He's a one season wonder. He's not going to do the same thing. But you know, he's an all round excellent striker. He can play. He can play with an aerial ability with. Um, with, with that kind of team play, or he can play the pass and, and making moves in the back ability. So, yeah, he's a top-class striker, and I'd go with Kane. Yeah, I feel they're two of the best complete forwards in Europe where they have everything to their game, but I feel like Lukaku specialises more in certain aspects like his speed, his strength, and his, his physical presence, whereas yeah. Kane is more of a, a well-rounded forward. I, I, I find that a really difficult one to answer, but... <laughs> I'd probably take Kane too, which kind of pains me as an Arsenal fan that we let him go from the academy. I mean, when you look at his um, goal-scoring statistics, I mean... It's it's incredible, really. He's done exceptionally well. I think before these midweek fixtures, I think only Messi in Europe's top five leagues has scored more goals than him in 2017. Yeah. And he's just scarily good, isn't he? I mean, I'd fear in the future um, whether Tottenham could keep, or, keep him or not because I'd be surprised if no big clubs this summer were looking to purchase him. You know, the top guns around Europe. Yeah, I, I especially feel that. I feel like he's he's uh, starting to hit the levels that Bale was hitting before he ended up going to Real Madrid. If we were to leave, what club do you see taking him? Um, One thing I have to say before I cut you off, sorry, but uh, I don't see him going to Real Madrid just out of the part where they said to uh, they refused on Ronaldinho because they said he was too ugly to market. So yeah. I'm not saying anything about Harry Kane here, oh. but uh, I feel he might not be up to Florentino Perez's. I mean, Perez might take a look at his nose and say no to the transfer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I can't. I can't see him going to Real Madrid in the future. Uh, depending on what happens with Benzema, I can't. I can't see it going on. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I think. I think he'd be a pretty good asset for Man United. Depending on what happens to Ibrahimovic in the summer and whether Rashford is pushed up front. Um, I think he'd be a great buy for Man United, but yeah, um, I'd, if I was Spurs, I'd, I'd definitely be fearful for the future and for Kane. Yeah, speaking of how I don't see him at Real Madrid, I actually, I see him in the same kind of mould as Benzema, as that he's a complete forward, and I feel like Kane has the skill set that he doesn't actually need to be scoring goals, to be performing well, quite like Benzema. So I feel like, as much as I've written it off there, I feel like it would be a great signing for Madrid to go for him. Yeah, anyway, yeah I've, heard, I've heard a lot about, um, especially with Real Madrid having Modric and Bale, I mean, they'd go for another Spurs player, you know what I mean? It would be it'd be quite something, but yeah. Yeah, it's a, a path well-traveled in the past anyway. So we'll move on next to the, <laughs> I suppose, the 2B champions. Everyone's kind of resigned to them winning the league. Chelsea winning 2-1 at the London Stadium. What are your thoughts on this game overall? Um, West Ham's performance up to maybe 65 minutes was abysmal. I thought at home in the London Stadium big crowd you're playing the team that's top of the league I thought you'd turn up a bit more and maybe um, play play more to your game and impress with the fans but um, no they were pretty disappointing and abysmal for 65-70 minutes or so and uh, yeah definitely another win for Conte and Chelsea and they're storming away with the league so there yeah with it being a London derby too uh, and West Ham and Bilic kind of having a decent enough record in big games in the past beating Arsenal drawing with Arsenal beating United on the maybe the last day or the second last day of the season last year, uh, <laughs> the last game at Upton Park, I feel like they would have performed a lot better here. But Chelsea, like I said last week, are just relentless. They might not be the most aesthetically pleasing to watch week in, week out, but, man, do they know that how to play football. They're drilled so well by Conte, and I feel you can't overstate how well he's done this season after how abysmally they performed last year. And even as good as Conte was at the Euros, I didn't get too carried away with that at Chelsea. I felt he would be a good appointment. But at the same time, I felt after the World Cup when Van Gaal came into Manchester United, I was like, oh, wow, fantastic. Look how well he got them performing, even without a key player like Strootman, Stroutman. And so I didn't get too carried away, but Conte has done a fantastic job. He has. I mean, when I when I uh, look at the midfield and I see, um, I see him play Conte and Matic, I mean, I look in there and I see, I can't see much creativity from the midfield. I think... I think at the start of the season I was looking at that and I was like, two pretty defensive players. How is he going to find creativity from the midfield? But we could see at the end of last season a little bit, Matic was pushed forward a bit more. He was given a bit more of a free role, uh, playing passes in the box and stuff. Um, and he played that role at Benfica a little bit and he did quite well. Um, so he's done that quite a bit this season, pushing forward a bit more. And Conte's been the lone man back most of the time. Although he has gotten forward quite a bit too, but... I think it was interesting to see Matic push Matic push forward a bit more um, than last season. Yeah, definitely. So we'll leave that game there for now. We'll move on to a barnstormer game, really. Southampton 4, Watford 3. Gabby Dini once again get on the score sheet. Redmond getting 2. And Tadic back on the score sheet for the first time in what feels like a long time. What do you think of this game? How well do you feel Southampton have bounced back, really, after that Carlin Cup defeat? I mean, after the Carlin Cup defeat... Um, I I wasn't sure whether they'd be able to bounce back or not. I had them maybe to win 2-1 or 2-0. I felt that they could win because Watford have been completely on and off this season. Um, but what a crazy game. I mean, seven goals. Um, and you thought you thought Watford might be able to come back, but, I mean, Southampton just took control of the game. And, um, yeah, it was 4-2 at the end, and then Dukure got a goal in the last minute, and 4-3, I mean, crazy scoreline, crazy amount of goals. Yeah, Nathan Redmond this season has kind of been converted into a forward by Claude Puel, who was the Nice manager last season as well. And how do you feel he's done? He got the best out of Ben Arfa at Nice. Do you feel he could do the same thing with Redmond? I feel Redmond's impressed me a lot in patches this season, but I feel I haven't seen enough of his body of work to really judge it completely. I mean, uh, Puel has a history of um, good relationships uh, with uh, wingers at clubs, especially at Lille and Nice. He knows how to turn them into top quality players. Um, I mean, it would be interesting to see. I think he, he I think what uh, Puel did with Ben Arfa, he, he could do with Redmond as well. But Southampton have quite a few um, good players in that position. As um, Buffal as well could be one that he could uh, t- t- turn into that player. But no, I think uh, Redmond's been pretty impressive this season. And um, yeah, I think Puel. I think Puel schooled him well on how to play with Southampton and uh, wh- and what kind of attributes he should acquire in the future um, as he becomes a better player. 
Yeah, I feel he's done ex- extremely well, especially after the great season Shane Long's come off the back of as well. I feel to oust him from the team, even as poorly as Shane Long has played this season, I feel like he's got the same kind of attributes as Shane Long. And I feel in the long term, he's a brilliant, brilliant prospect for Southampton going forward. I feel like he's a great, great signing. I mean, it was it's disappointing to see um, Shane Long perform badly, especially what he... Yeah, especially from an Irish point of view. Especially what he did for Ireland. Um, so it's disappointing to see him uh, have have performed but all the same it's it's great to see young English players like Redmond playing well and uh, getting on the score sheet and stuff yeah definitely another high scoring game was Swansea's 3-2 defeat of Burnley uh, up in Wales where uh, Lorente scored twice a last minute winner for him and just how well has he done since Paul Clement's come in really it's just been insane for me to see this I mean I think I've lost count how many late goals Lorente <laughs> scored to win Swansea games um, and he was linked in the transfer window with Chelsea as well. I couldn't blame Conte for wanting to bring him in as a backup. Um, but yeah, Paul Clement's done a fantastic job. I was a bit sceptical of whether Swansea might be able to stay up or not. I had I had them to go down, but um, the turnaround's been fantastic. I, I liked Paul Clement as a coach as well, but I didn't rate him highly enough that I think he'd be able to keep Swansea in the league. But no, the turnaround's been fantastic, and... Another important win at home uh, takes them away from the bottom three a bit more. So, yeah, all, it's it's very good news for Swansea and Paul Clement. Yeah, very good news indeed. And especially, you mentioned that uh, Conte was interested in bringing Lorente in. They had a, a, a really famously great relationship when they were both together in Turin with Juventus. So I felt like that would have been a decent signing for him. It would have been perfect for Conte's system too. And as uh, much as at the, early, at the early part of the season, I felt that Lorente was probably past his peak and that he'd lost his legs, really. He wasn't able to run as much as he was, especially in that athletic Bilbao team under Bielsa, which everyone raved about him over. I feel like he's just, he's really adapted to it now at this stage of his career. I feel he's brilliant as a target man. I feel like he's got a great goal scoring instincts as well. And yeah. two more goals for him. And you wouldn't really rule out maybe move to Chelsea to back up in the summer. I mean, you, you couldn't rule it out, to be honest. Uh, it depends on whether, I do see Swansea staying up now, but it depends on whether they stay up or not, um, whether he'll stay or go. But uh, yeah, he's a great player. He definitely is. And you mentioned uh, Paul Clement being hired and you being a little bit sceptical. I was the same after he wasn't a, a, a overwhelming success at Derby, shall we say. He was, he was fired when they were, I think, maybe possibly fifth in the league or something yeah. like that. So I was quite upset for him, but I'm glad to see he's turned that around. We'll move on to Manchester City next. They beat Sunderland 2-0 at the weekend and then drew with Stoke 0-0 just last night. How do you feel they're getting on under Guardiola? They seem to really be pushing on under his, uh, his style. They seem to be really, really readjusting themselves to it. But now it feels like I thought another little juggle Stoke is it a step backwards. Um, a step backwards, possibly. Might be a bit harsh, but still, possibly, possibly not. I mean, a midweek game. Um, it was it was a bit of a random game to be honest. I was so, I was so focused on the wonderful Champions League games, but um, no, I think a nil nil draw at home to Stoke would be a bit disappointing. He'd probably want to get three points there and overtake Spurs in second place. Um, so I'd say they were a bit disappointed in that sense, but. No, I don't think it's a step back. I think if, I think it's been a bit of it's it's the tail of their season a little bit. They do play well a lot of games, and then some some games against the lesser teams they can't win or they just win in the end. Um, so their consistency in that in that basis has been lacking a bit this season. But as far as a step back, um, from not being in second place possibly, but um, an outlook on the rest of the season, I don't think so. No, yeah, I agree. I feel overall, I felt it was a bit harsh of me to say, have they taken a step back? I feel Guardiola has all the tools in his box to really sort out these issues City are having now with consistency. And hopefully for him, they'll push on next season. Hopefully for football's sake, with the great football they play. Uh, we'll move on now to the champions, defeating Leicester, th- the champions defeating Hall 3-1 at uh, the KC. Is that the Casey? No, never mind. Where was that? Actually, never mind. It was, in, it was in Leicester Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah power. Sorry, my bad. And... Uh, they're continuing on. Was that, they beat Liverpool 3-1 as well, but did they not last week? On Monday, yeah. Yeah, so they're yeah. continuing on. That's two, two wins for Craig Shakespeare now. Yeah, that's good. Six goals in two games after however many didn't score. I mean, in the league before yeah, that. it was a long time. Yeah, definitely. And I feel, as much as I was bigging up Hull over the weekend, I feel Leicester, now that they seem re-motivated again, <laughs> who's going to stop them? <laughs> if they're like this next season, could they challenge for the title again? I probably mean, not. probably not. I mean, Conte was a big part of their team, so unless they can find someone like him in the summer. But him, yeah. yeah, I was I was uh, disappointed, um, especially after Hull took the lead with Klukas. Um, but yeah, I was a bit disappointed that we ended up losing the game. I didn't feel like we were going to win the game because Leicester started to get confidence back after the win against Liverpool. But... Um, I was a bit disappointed with Hull's style of play as well because under Silva we played a bit more passing, a bit more movement, a bit more um, technical ability. 
in our style of play, but we started, we've been playing more long balls recently, and uh, I don't think it's bolding well for the team. I think he needs to go back to that kind of passing system because it's. Uh, I don't think I don't think that long ball style of play is going to keep us up. Yeah, I agree. And Mara's got on the score sheet for the first time in a long time there as well. So we'll move on now to the last two games to review. They were both pretty uneventful, I guess. I feel that's a little bit harsh for me to say again. But uh, first things first, is Sam Allardyce getting another win for Palace away at West Brom? You said they'd be in Dreamland if they were able to pick up a result this week. I mean, I said they'd be in Dreamland. And they're probably in dream Dreamland right now because they believe that they could possibly stay up. I know um, when they went 4-0 down at home to Sunderland, you could see the fans booing and you could see... You could see the fans um, pointing at Allardyce and abusing him and stuff because there's some Palace fans when he came in, they didn't trust him after the whole debacle with the England national team. Yeah. Some of the Palace fans didn't want him in, but his record of keeping keeping teams up in the Premier League is outstanding. So it was definitely a good, it was definitely a good idea to bring him in and it looks like it's going to pay off. Yeah, definitely. I feel like uh, he took a little bit of time to get started at Sunderland as well when he kept them up. And I feel he does have... A reputation of keeping clubs in the Premier League. Uh, I feel like a 2 0 win away at West Brom, who are having a fantastic season in and of itself. I feel that's not to be scoffed at. I feel that's a very good achievement. I mean, in January, he was saying I might not be able to get this Palace team performing until March, possibly mid March, and yeah, he's writing the money. You know, he's they've started, they've won two games in a row, and we're into March, so I think he knows. And uh, his definitely his experience, I think, will be vital, and I can see Palace staying up now. Yeah, definitely. And the last result was a 2-0 win for Stoke over Borough. I'm going to definitely gloss over this because of time constraints, so we'll be back after another song. Hello and welcome back to part three. To wrap things up, we're going to be talking about the FA Cup and starting with probably the biggest tie. Chelsea are going to be hosting Manchester United on Monday. How do you see this one going? Um, it's a clash of the titans, really. It, it is. It is. I mean, I'd, I love. I love seeing uh, top class managers go against each other, especially um, when uh, Chelsea absolutely hammered Man United, and Mourinho thought Conte was rubbing it in a bit, signaling, oh, yeah, signaling yeah. to the fans, telling them to go a bit louder. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes in that sense. But yeah, top quality games. Look forward to. Yeah, definitely. How do you see it going? Let me just get your prediction early on. Then um, the picture a little bit more. I can see. I can see Chelsea winning. Uh, for all their dominance this season, um, I can see it. I can see it being a tight game. Um, not not a goal fest, but possibly maybe a two-one Chelsea. I feel being a very uh, yeah. I feel uh, Chelsea win is, is quite likely. Even though I am, I feel Mourinho in knockout competitions. He takes these very seriously too. Uh, I feel Conte. I feel it's a bit maybe premature to say, but I feel like he might be able to even not have to rest players in FA Cup because yeah. of how sure he is of winning the league. United might rest a few players because they are challenging for a Champions League spot qualifying through the league. But Mourinho has done has a very good record in the cup competition. He's yeah. already won the League Cup this season, still in the Europa League. United on for a treble. I mean, his his experience in cup competitions is pretty vital for them. Um, I, do, I do see Chelsea winning, but, I mean, you couldn't bet against Man United uh, winning with Mourinho's experience, depending on the teams that play as well. Whether Ibrahimovic starts or whether Conte drops some players and puts in Batshuayi and Shaloba, depending on um, what teams is played. But um, yeah, it it should it should be a great game and looking forward to the to the clash. Yeah, I feel you mentioned the Batshuayi coming in possibly. I feel that's a good shout. Cause it went over my head a minute ago, but he has played I think a lot in the FA Cup this season. I think he's that's yeah. the games he's started in have been in the FA Cup, and he's got a very good goal record in them. Yeah. So if he does play, this is a great opportunity for him to showcase his talents possibly, and maybe yeah. maybe try and prove to Conte that he deserves a chance in the first team in the league after a £32 million move in the summer. Yeah. I mean, it depends Depends on who he plays in the wings as well because Conte's been playing Pedro and Hazard. He's dropped William a bit. Pedro's been starting to score starting to score goals and he's been on form. So it would be interesting to see whether William starts ahead of Pedro. But um, And it uh, depends on what uh, happens with Rashford as well, whether he goes... In a four-two-three-one, or whether he goes up front, but I can see Ibrahimovic starting at the weekend. Yeah, I feel this is a big enough game for Mourinho to start Ibrahimovic, and he's really relied on Ibrahimovic this season. Yeah, and Ibrahimovic has shown that he has the wait. Does Ibrahimovic's ban actually now that I'm thinking about it include cup games? Does it? I feel it might. I think it might be all domestic competitions. It might not be. So okay. forgive me if I'm wrong. But if he is banned, I feel that's a major blow for United. Yeah. In hindsight, looking back on that, I feel that's a massive, massive thing for yeah. United. There's been be. a lot of, there's been a few uh, talks this season of whether United are relying on Ibrahimovic too much or 
whether they're um, not giving any time to other players and treating them like a one-star outcast. But I think um, I think on and off this season, they have looked to Ibrahimovic a bit too much. But you know they have some really good quality players in their team. Man United, um, ones that don't get uh, looked at, uh, like Martial and Mata. Yeah. And even Michael Carrick as well, who's a really good player in the centre midfield. But um, yeah, it should be it should be a great game. Looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely hundred percent. And I feel uh, with uh, this could be a chance for Paul Pogba to really prove himself. He's not really imposed himself in any big games against his former coach Antonio Conte. I'm not sure if it was Conte who brought Pogba to Juventus in the first place, but uh, I know he was his coach at Juventus, and I know they had a, a good working relationship over there in Turin. And I feel this could be a game where. Pogba can really step up and prove his worth. And like you mentioned, United have relied on Ibrahimovic quite a lot this season, but I feel with a player of that class and that ilk, I feel it's only natural to kind of rely on a player like that. Like yeah. Arsenal have relied on players like Sanchez, Chelsea rely on Costa and Hazard, so I feel that's a little bit overstated with uh, with Ibrahimovic when they have so many other good players like you mentioned. Like yeah. Martial, Mata, Mkhitaryan. Yeah, Mkhitaryan too. Yeah, so I feel that's a great tie. I feel that's going to be a very interesting clash to watch. I feel... Mourinho will be out for blood after being humiliated at Stamford yeah. Bridge by Conte. So that's a really good tie. I'm really looking forward to that. Next thing, a tie I'm probably looking less forward to, Arsenal versus Lincoln City. Arsenal, after their struggles of late, could there be a worse time to face Lincoln City? There's two ways to look at it, I suppose. You're playing against a non-league opposition, so it should be an easy enough game for you to be able to beat them. But at the same time, if you lose here... The humiliation in that for Arsenal. I mean, I, I, I can't see, I can't see them losing, honestly. But I mean, if they lost, it would be a disaster, at home, against a really, a really small club and team, not expected to win or even get a draw there. Um, be nice to see um, who plays in the team because um, Welbeck, Welbeck suffered an injury in the warm up against Bayern, so it'll be interesting to see whether he's available for the match or not. Uh, there's a couple of other players that he might start, but um, no, I think I think Arsenal will win. But um, anything else uh, was will probably be looked at as a disaster. Yeah, one hundred percent. I feel uh, Lincoln to I feel especially Manchester to them, a non-league club, reached the quarterfinals of the FA yep. Cup, knocking out Premier League opposition in Burnley in the last round. <laughs> this is crazy. If they knock out Arsenal, it's probably the biggest upset in FA Cup history, would you say? Um, possibly. Well, I mean, uh, there's a lot of upsets in that long, long history. But at this stage of the competition, non-league team at quarter. I think if a non-league team got to the semi-final, I mean, that probably the best achievement. I mean, it would be, it would be, it would be excellent. It would be excellent to see. I feel actually when I seen something, I heard someone talking about uh, a team a long, long time ago. I'd say possibly or even 100 years ago or so, a non-league team won the FA Cup. It's going over my head now who it is. They were non-league at the time they won the FA Cup, and I feel that's just a crazy statistic. And you said Arsenal might play uh, some other kind of players, more of a fringe team like they always seem to do in the FA Cup. Uh, Jeff Ryan Adelaide is a player who's played a lot at number 10 for Arsenal in these games, despite not really overly impressing any of his appearances so far. Uh, who else will probably get a game? Oh, who do you call? Oh, I'm... I'm I'm going crazy. The right back slash central midfielder who's played in every round so far too. I feel Ramsey will start because he's just coming back. He started against Brighton. El Nene might start too. I'd like to see El Nene and Ramsey. I feel uh, El- Ramsey's best season at Arsenal came when he was playing alongside Mikel Arteta in a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. And I feel the closest player Arsenal have to Mikel Arteta at the moment is El Nene with his, uh, his ability to shuffle the ball on the midfield. Yeah. I think Gibbs will start too, possibly. And possibly Lucas Perez. Yeah, I really hope Lucas plays. I feel uh, he definitely should have got a look in in midweek over Giroud I feel his, his movement would have caused Bayern a lot of issues and it would have helped us retain the ball in the final third so how do you see this game going in your personal opinion how do you see it um, I can see it I can see a win for Arsenal um, I I think I think Lincoln will give a good show of themselves in the first half but I think all in all um, I'd say a 2-0 win for Arsenal yeah I see uh, Arsenal win hopefully but I don't see Lincoln uh embarrassing themselves by any means at all they've done excellently to get this far they have some very good players as well and I feel like this is going to be another great tie great spectacle for the FA Cup and this really is the magic of the FA Cup as much as a cliche as it is now as overstated as it is all the time I feel this is a brilliant tie and I can't wait to see it uh, from a neutral point of view but from Arsenal point of view I'm quite nervous about it we'll move on to another big game a London derby Spurs versus Millwall and another team that's exceeded expectations this year Millwall what do you think of them and how well they've done um, they've done brilliant, so they have, especially getting uh, this far, this far uh, in the in the cup. 
Um, I was on the way to the final. Knocked out last. Knocked knocked out them as well. I mean, I was hoping maybe, uh, hopefully, hopefully. I was hoping in the past maybe they could draw West Ham in the round, oh, dude. you know, just just for a bit of drama. Hopefully, <laughs> a lot of but drama there. but um, I think um, I think this will be a good game for Spurs as well because Millwall are a pretty good side. They do show up a lot uh, away from home. Um, depending on the team Spurs play as well, I'd say I, I think I think it'll be interesting to see whether Kane starts because of his goal scoring ability. It's been excellent this or the last couple of weeks, or whether. Pochettino gives Jansen a chance, or whether he gives um, Son a chance, or um, or in in Kudo, you know what I mean? Depends. That's a good point. I feel Spurs are lucky that this tie has been made for White Hart Lane and not the Den. I feel if it was at the Den at Millwall's home ground, I feel it would have been a much more difficult tie. I feel Spurs are definitely the overwhelming favourites, especially with with what good form they're coming into this off of beating Everton at the weekend. Of course, Dele Alli and Kane linking up brilliantly. Players like Ericsson and Son performing too and they still don't even have Eric Lamella in the team he's still mm. injured Dembele, still Dembele in the middle of the park as well that's a good point that's a very good point and we'll move on to the last game we'll be covering for this episode of the Working Channels podcast Middlesbrough will be hosting Manchester City and a game where you're not too excited about it you were mentioning off the air I mean early kickoffs um, at the Riverside it's it's not done to be a good spectacle I've, I've watched Middlesbrough a couple of times early kickoffs in the Premier Leagues and other times but they um they they don't turn up. It's 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 games at the Riverside aren't really spectacles that you want to look forward to. Um, I can see I can see Middlesbrough, I can see Middlesbrough maybe getting a goal against Man City because of Man City's poor defence. Um, although Middlesbrough don't have goal scorers in their team, sometimes out of nowhere, every couple every couple of months they do turn up, but. I do feel as though City might win three uh, one in this game. Yeah, I feel City have the quality to definitely overwhelm Borough. As good as Borough's defense is, and as happy as I am to see Calum Chambers performing well over there, I feel they they're at risk of uh, if a motivated uh, Manchester City team turn up. I feel then this could be a bit nasty. For yeah, it depends on um, whether Aguero started or Ianacho or who plays in the three behind three behind the striker. Um, depends on what team Guardiola plays, but um, yeah, I do. I I can only see this uh, one way with a Man City victory. Yeah, I see the same thing too. So, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up tonight? Um, no, I think that's it. Yeah, that's perfect. So, thanks for listening, guys. If you have any recommendations, please let us know. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at Working Channels. Speak to you guys soon. Goodbye.